Hello and welcome to The Leaderverse with your hosts, Drew Lee, Lucas Sheradin, and me, Jesse Button. Who in your life are you avoiding a difficult conversation with? In today's talk, we learn that having a tough conversation with someone is actually the most loving thing that you can do. I can't wait to dive in all that and more today on The Leaderverse. Well, so I wanted to ask you, Lucas, and maybe and maybe Coach Drew, if we see him, I'll let him in. <laughs> okay. I've been I've been meeting with leaders of our industry more lately. Um, my roles in life is changing a bunch, and so in connecting with my network, I've noticed a pattern. Um, meet for coffee, you know, drinks for lunch. What are you doing next, Mister Mrs. Leader? What does your day look like? And they all say they are dreading a certain conversation with oh, somebody. Oh, the dreaded team. conversations! <laughs> like they all say, they're all putting off a. Um, I'm going to call it a non-scheduled feedback conversation, like. Someone's performance is lacking or someone's, uh, someone is off in some way, someone they need, they've got a person problem that they need to address and fix, but they've been running from it and putting it off. I've done this before. I, and it just got me thinking, what is so terrifying and scary about having these non-scheduled feedback conversations with people that we lead? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what, th this is like a super, super high level conversation be because Every leader that I've done, unless they're a bull in a china shop or they have no empathy for another human being or they they are very cold and calculated and authentically just don't care what other people think. Every leader, and I even think in that group of types of leaders, they care too, that they just use uh, some sort of energy to overcome that. And every leader I think I know has the moments where it's like, if I don't look, maybe it'll fix itself. And we all know that bad small bad things become big bad things if we don't run to the conversation. And so this this is a leadership dilemma across the board and here's what's crazy about it and I hope maybe I can reframe this. If, if I we're flying without a net here Jesse you could tell me if I'm you know just totally off. That's how we but fly. I bet you if you look back on your own leadership journey and I bet everybody who's listening to this if they look back on their leadership journey a part of their critical crossroad moments where they went from points A to B, where they took a big step forward, probably came on the heels of somebody having the courage to have a hard conversation with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I, I, think, about, I think about those hard conversations. I'll call them, uh, I refer to them um, as Susan Scott does in her awesome book, several books now, uh, Fierce Conversations. That's yeah. what it is. It's a fierce conversation. And, yes. and so this is what the, the challenge is, is leaders, I think, lose vision of that we all develop based upon feedback loops. And sometimes we develop because we did something amazing. We got positive feedback. So we like that. But more often than not, it was when we had that confrontation with a leader or we did something that we messed up and or we did something innocently that we thought we were doing OK. And somebody says that just doesn't work. And. I, I still remember early in my team leader days, uh, Keller Williams team leader of um, I, I'd done really well in another market center. I, th I think we we're like in the number eight in the entire nation. And uh, so we did really well. And then I moved market centers. I had a family situation. So I moved geography, moved uh, to a different brokerage. 
And I, I kind of walked in with some hubris, some arrogance, like, I got this. I, I know what I've done. I was number eight in the nation. Nobody in this region was ever no, number eight last year. And so it, I don't think I ever said that or I was conscious. Anyway, I walked with a lot of arrogance and I was not following a system that that leader wanted me to follow. And there was some drama around me changing you know, businesses. And I remember, oh, four or five months into it, uh, this leader calls all of our ownership and me and says, Hey, let's get on a conference call. And I had, I had taken a, a we were supposed to turn out on Fridays, Jesse, this is how bad I am, a pipeline report. And on my pipeline of the people that I was recruiting, actively talking to, and I'm thinking, this is just busy work. Nobody reads this stuff. This is just garbage and what have you. So I put on my pipeline, Roger Rabbit, George Clooney, Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie. I put all these bogus things because nobody ever reads that stuff. Well, that Monday, we get a text and said, hey, listen, do you have time for a conference call? I totally forgotten I did that. <laughs> we get on this call. And unfortunately for me, unfortunately for me, this leader had read my pipeline and went around the room and said, hey, you know, to the Johns family, how you doing? How's it going? Everything great. Hey, Lucas, uh, how's it going? I go, great. It's going fantastic. And he said to me, he said, hey, I read your pipeline over the weekend. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and this is this is what he said. He said. You know, your ownership had a trade for their all-star quarterback to lead their office. And right now, you're acting like a punk who doesn't even deserve to be on the bench of the football team. You, my friend, have some choices to make. And he hung up. Ooh. Now, I don't know stylistically if that'd be my style as a leader to do that. That one conversation that I know he didn't want to have with me, he had other things to do, changed the course of the next seven years. You know, catapulted me being one of the top instructors on how to recruit and how to grow offices, helped me work for some very powerful people because somebody cared enough about me to overcome how inconvenient it was to have a very, and I didn't like it. I hated it. In fact, I didn't like him at that moment, but after reflecting on it, what he was totally right. Now I probably would approach it differently. This is what I would say is. As a leader, when we have those awkward conversations, we need to care for somebody's future stronger than we have our fear of what might not happen to our favor. I think, Jesse, if I think about this, I think that leaders that don't have the conversation, the, there's a list of fears in my mind, and I was just writing, writing them down when you said that. Number one, they're a fear that they may get rejected and that person leaves the organization. They have to go through the inconvenience of having to rehire that position. They have a fear of not being liked. And I know every leader on this that's listening to this podcast has to face a choice. Either I'm going to really put my energy into being liked or I'm going to put my energy into being effective. If I have to choose between the two, I want to be respective and effective, not liked and popular. I'd like to have both if possible. So I would never approach somebody like this leader approached me. Uh, however, it was very effective because it changed human behavior. So every leader has these fears that I have to replace this person. Uh, number two, it's, gosh, maybe this person's not going to like me. And then there's a personal feeling in there. Number three, that this is going to cause drama in my organization. Maybe this goes south. Maybe this goes badly. There are all sorts of fears. And that's why I think Brené Brown is spot on. We need to le lead and live courageously and without emotion come in and say, Jesse, we need to have a conversation. This, this is the other thing I think too, is I think leaders confuse accountability with punitive. Ooh. That holding somebody as accountable is not punishment. It's 
I hope everybody, if you take a moment, if pull a car over, whatever, just write this down, a tattoo it on your head. Accountability is just awareness. You said you were going to do 10. You did nine. We're out of integrity with what we said we're going to do. What's our plan moving forward? I'm not punishing you. Sometimes mistakes, right, Jesse? Sometimes mistakes just have built-in consequences. Leaders don't need to heap on. I I posted about that on social yesterday. Leaders don't need to heap on punishment. I think that when somebody makes a mistake, they're probably punishing themselves enough without my help. I just need to know what's the plan. And if you don't want to do this work, that's awesome. Let's go find something you want to do. However, this work looks like X, Y, and Z. And I think leaders struggle with that, that if we, if our vision for our organization and our people isn't greater than our fear of whatever the fear may be, whether it's rejection or waste of time or fear of disruption or whatever the fears may be, inconvenience, Man, our, our our commitment to our vision has to be greater than that. And honestly, Jesse, if I go into business with you and I'm your leader, I have to believe in you so much that I'm courageously going to stand in the gap and be able to endure your harsh words, your bad attitude, your anger, whatever might happen in hopes that I hired the right person who's going to say, you know what, he cares and he really believes in me. And I I, I might not agree with why, how he does something, but boy, I'm glad I get the opportunity to be developed. Mm. there's uh you, you mentioned Brene Brown yeah. she says that this is what helped flip my mind around and starting start to do research on how to have better fiercer conversations she says that um clear is kind unclear is unkind yeah and so if you're so if you think about it we're we're actually doing our our people a major disservice and we're being unkind to them by not clearly Spelling out the issue to them, giving them I, that awareness. I so agree with that. And I think that the only reason, and this is said with a lot of love and respect, because I do the same thing, Jesse. I struggle with this. In fact, this morning on my drive in, I had to have a caring conversation with a leader that is. I like uh, that. that caring I, conversation. Yeah, that it, I totally believe in. In fact, here's the thing as a leader, I'm not going to confront behavior of a person I don't believe in, period. Hmm. And I'm not going to confront out of irritation. I'm going to, you know, if I'm irritated, I need to go get that and check before I ever confront something. And I have to confront because I have a vision for this person. I believe that this person stated goals and I believe in the organization. And I had to, in a quick moment in a phone call that I didn't know was going to go this direction say, am I willing to make our relationship a little bit vulnerable to, and you know, to does my relationship have the strength to carry the weight of this message? And I had to say, can I just be really honest with you? In this moment, you're making it completely about you. And that's not serving you. And so if we made it about our people, if we made it about others, what would it look like at that point? And I, I you know, I received a text and I think the message was received. However, I still feel that in my throat. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that every leader that is listening here needs to understand, it's just so critical that those conversations, while we build a story in our head, like, oh, scary, scary, not convenient, maybe somebody else could do it, maybe it'll go away, maybe it'll fix itself. The flip side of that is maybe this will be that one conversation that if I do it with genuine love for that person, authentic contribution for their development, and speak the truth, especially if there's a measurable standard. This could be a life-changing conversation, and I'm all about life change. I'm all about life transformation. I think that's what happens is, Jesse, we make it about our feelings. We don't make it about them. We don't make it about what they need. We give them what we think is palatable and, and 
this is this is a tough thing, especially if you have any need to be accepted. If you're a leader that has any, you know, I personality in you that you just afraid of rejection. Hard. Well, I'm I'm willing to risk that in hopes that this might be a life transformation conversation. Cause I look at almost every time I've gone from point A to B, there was a mess, there was something that broke down, there was something that was awful. And a leader care. In fact, I just had recently experienced this, that something happened and I was, you know, I did perform a stellar thing. And I had a leader come to me and says, you made a mistake here, buddy. I'm like, thank God that somebody cares thank enough you. about me. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to get, now I initially I feel defensive, but I don't have to get defensive about it. That's a leader that cares. Yes. Yes. And has put a, a ton of thought probably into this conversation yeah. about you, just you. Well, um, and think about this, Jesse, you've been a leader and you've also been somebody under a leadership, which is easier holding somebody accountable or being held accountable. Oh gosh. It's uh, holding someone accountable is so hard. It is so, it, it is yeah, so hard. I would rather be held accountable any day of the week and twice on Sunday than holding somebody accountable. If everything's going great, it's easy to holding somebody accountable. If they're, if the seas are smooth and everything's going good and they aren't human, they don't have a human moment where they make a mistake, man, it's simple. But when they, your humanity shows up and an insecurity shows up and they're yeah. underperforming, here's the thing. They know they're underperforming. They know they made a mistake. I don't have to rub salt in the womb. I have to give them, number one, I'm aware. Number two, I'm making you aware that I'm aware. Number three, if I'm committed to you, let's develop a plan to get you out of the mess that you're in. Mm -hmm. That's leadership. Susan Scott says that she essentially replaces the word conversation with relationship. They're interchangeable and they're the same thing. Like yeah. if you think about it, what, you know, what are you and I besides the words and the energy that we exchange? That's right. We're nothing. If we're not having conversations, we don't have a relationship. That's right. And so if you think about it, going into this difficult, caring, fierce conversation, that is the most loving thing that you can do for someone right. is to care about them enough to say, hey, this might be a little bit uncomfortable for a second, but we're both better if we get this out in the open. Here's what I see going on. Tell me what you see going on. Do you like it? Because yeah. I don't think it's working according to our plan and our, our goals and yeah. let's fix it together instead of, ouch, this is going to hurt to put somebody down. <laughs> Let yeah. me avoid it for the next several weeks and stress myself out about it. Well, and what happens, I think for some leaders is they avoid it, but they talk to everybody else about it. <laughs> right. It's they, the, the subject of the problem is like, let's go and so here, here's, let me, if I could be really practical, number one is check your emotions as a leader. If I have to have this thing, you know, conversation, that's not comfortable. Check the cover, check your irritation at the door. If you're angry, you're upset, you're um, ticked off, whatever, as much as is possible, check that because the moment I come at you with anger, it's about my emotions, not about your performance. Number two, get really clear on what exactly went wrong you need details, you need facts. For me and my organizations, I like to use KPIs that here's the performance. This is what we said we we're going to do. This is what we did do. Did we do what we say we we're going to do? And if we didn't, we're out of integrity with what we said we we're going to do. So mm -hmm. check emotions, get facts. Then number three, schedule time where you could actually have a real conversation. It can't be in passing. It can't be you know, a text. Please, for the love of all that's good and holy, don't text and email your your company 
you have a conversation and the closer I get to belly to belly, the better phone is okay. Zoom is a little bit better, but face-to-face is preferred, right? Because it's all about relationship. So schedule the time and have that. So make sure your emotions are in check, have your data, schedule the time. And then I would go in with curiosity first. Can you explain to me what, what went on here? How are things going? What do you think and you feel about it? Because oftentimes they know. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they totally know. It's like, we said we're going to do this. Or did you, can you tell me about the email that you said? Or can you tell me about the statement you made? Or can you tell me about, you know, or I actually have proof that this actually happened. Do you want, can you tell me your perspective before we, we get into this? And then we just deal objectively with whatever it is, whatever the crisis is or the underperformance is or the attitude or attitudes are probably the most challenging because those are subjective. So can you tell me what you're thinking and feeling? Because the way you're showing up for me seems to be this way. I'm not judging you. I'm curious, but this is the way it's occurring to me. Mm -hmm. And so please either help me reframe how you're showing up or let's deal with whatever you're facing. Mm-hmm. And then have an open conversation where the person is, and I think as a leader, you go in with two ears and one mouth. We don't go in and we don't start barking. Now, if it's a gross negligent thing where somebody has belligerently did something, you you get to decide what type of business you want to run at that point. And it may be a parting of ways. Mm-hmm. But I know, Jesse, I, I've had employees that grossly underperformed. And because of convenience, I kept them on the team Yeah, a year, two years too long. Yeah. And it was because of my schedule. And once again, I made it about me and I didn't have those converse, conversations. It's like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. And I'm really good about talking about everything, but a problem. <laughs> right, right. So the getting really clear on what the issue is. Yeah. So if someone is just generally a, um, a, a dramatic person that's caught that's gossiping and causing like personnel issues, how that is the hardest one to approach because it's like, you have to clearly, clearly state the issue to them, right? Like I want to talk with you about the effect blank is having on blank and to figure that out and to name what the issue is, but how do you do that without calling someone a drama queen? Like that is really, really hard. You know what, one time I, um, I got called to the principal's office. I, I, I made fun of a leader on a very public stage and, and looking back on it, it was, it was disrespectful and I, I get it. However, that leader had given me, I thought permission to do that. And I remember when they confronted me about it, they, they called me in, they sat me down and said, Hey, curious, how do you think that went? And I'm like, I think it was a smashing success. I think it was awesome. Says, well, can I give you my opinion? Well, Sure. I think you're grossly disrespectful. And here's why I think that. So can we have a conversation about that? I'm like, if we're going to talk about a a clashing of opinions, I think that's the way to handle it. So you got a drama queen or you got somebody who's gossiping and ruining the culture say, Hey, uh, kind of curious when you made this comment, how do you think that was land? How do you think that landed? What was your goal there? What was your, what was your hopeful outcome? I'm kind of curious about that. And then let them talk. And then I would ask, say, okay, can I give you my perspective on it? The way that it occurs to me, I'm not judging you, but this is how it lands with me. I feel like it's gossip. It's causing drama and stuff like that. So can we have a conversation? I don't want you to get, and they'll they'll probably get defensive. And remember this, leaders write this down. When somebody's defensive, they're just scared. Mm. I can handle a scared person more than I, because when somebody gets defensive, I'm like, oh, they're a jerk. They're they're They don't listen to what I'm saying. Now I make it about me. They're not. They're, literally they're not, they're not. just okay. scared. 
there's one thing that the brain cannot do when it's in defensive mode. It can't listen. It can't, it literally can't hear what you're saying. It, it's fighting off an, an actual tiger as far as it knows. Like when you hear somebody using defensive words like that, well, making a defensive case, you, you're in shutdown mode now. Now you have to completely open them back up. The conversation's changed. It's really hard to get someone to listen when they've entered defensive mode. That's yeah. another tough one. Well, and here, here's another thing that I would do is if somebody's in defensive mode, it, Mel Robbins was brilliant with this on a psychological level. Her five-second rule is because what happens, and I don't know that she addresses this in her book, but it's what happened. In fact, I just found this out. Somebody told me like, Lucas, if you ever get like too emotional on stage or you, like I just told a story recently at a big convention I spoke at that was the first time I shared it publicly and it was, it was really hard for me to get through. Like I could feel the getting choked up. And yep. somebody said, if you get that on stage, just go in your head. One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. Four plus four is eight. Because all of a sudden your brain switches out of the emotion side to the logical side and you can catch yourself. So what I would suggest doing is let the person be defensive to you and just quietly in your head, go five, four, three two, one, and then speak your mind because we want to get into logic, not into emotions there. That's great. Because if I move in the same spirit as you do and you're defensive and then I get defensive, we have two people with their bright lights heading at each other at 70 miles an hour on the highway. Yeah. It's, uh, nobody's giving it. Yeah. Emotion doesn't mean, so I want to move in the opposite spirit of what they're moving in. I hear in there too, you checking your, um, your emotional intelligence too, your EQ, like, okay. Um, you said if there's any I in that person, meaning in the disc, if they have any, <laughs> if they're a people person, they're um, they're going to be the most offended first. They're going to take it personally because they're 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 people people, right? Yeah. So um, focusing on the problem, just like how okay, so I'm a high C personality, which means like if you try to compliment me personally, I'm it's not going to resonate. But if you compliment the work or something I produced that what will connect. So like, if you're giving me feedback, you would understand about my personality. And if we'd focus on the problem, yeah, then that's all we need to talk about. Like, okay, Jesse, uh, um, call reluctance around lead generation is a very, very common problem. Here are all the ways that I've worked through it with other people before. And I'd be like, oh, okay, thank you so much for the solution. Instead of, if you said, Jesse, you're not much of a lead generator. Yeah. How helpful like, is that? Well, here's, here's what you, you bring up a really good point. And these kind of conversations always attack the problem, not the person. You're not a good lead generation is attacking what? The person. The lead generation strategy we're following right now is not giving us the results we want. So let's attack the plan. What's the plan moving forward? Because what we're doing is not getting what you want nor what I want. Now I'm not attacking you. If you get okay. defensive, I know it's completely about you because I'm not attacking you. And if you don't want to do the work, that's awesome. Let's figure out what work you do want to do. I hope that um, I hope that resonates. I'm going to clip. I'm going to clip that and put that out to the leaders that I, because I want you to. I want everyone to hear that. It's easy to have a tough conversation if we're just problem solving together. That's right. That's it. If we're just problem solving. That's right. It makes and, it easier. To and approach. what you going back to a comment you made earlier is clarity as kindness. Here's, here is like a, a fundamental problem in leadership. I have an organization that's like operating in a fog. It's not clear what we want to do. Our KPIs or key performance indicators, it's not clear 
how many appointments we need to have, how many of this we need to have, how many of that we need to have. And then we get a deficient result as the output because profit is always the purpose of a business. So we have a deficient profit and we go in and say, I don't like this profit. What is wrong with this? Well, you didn't give a plan. I can't tell you if the plan is working or not working because there is no plan. So that is all on the leader. So I would suggest if you're not getting the output that you want, examine the plan. If there is great clarity, then hold people accountable to the clear plan. If there is not great clarity, then that's on you. You know, like for me, I'd say, Lucas, that's on you, big boy. Now, (laughs) because you didn't give them a path. You didn't give them a plan. Pity doesn't make anybody powerful. Being angry doesn't make anybody powerful. A plan potentially makes somebody powerful. So I'm not going to feel sorry for you. And I'm not going to get angry with you. I'm going to go, oh, the plan wasn't really clear. Now, what's the plan? And if you executed the plan, the plan's a problem. If you didn't execute the plan, the execution's the problem. Mm-hmm. But attack the problem, not the person. We All push right. systems, Jesse. We push systems. We don't push people. I, I wish leaders would hear that. We push systems. We push models. We push common metrics. We do not push people. People cannot be pushed. People push themselves when they know what the plan is. Very think good. Of Steve, think of John F. Kennedy with the space program. Before Kennedy, Dwight Eisenhower said, we are going to lead the world in space exploration. And what happens during Eisenhower time? Sputnik. The Russians beat us you know, to space. Because what does it mean that we're going to lead the world in space exploration? I don't know what that means. Right. Young president gets up, JFK says, we're going to launch a man to the moon and return him safely home by the end of the decade. The slide rulers at NASA went off the charts. The, all the nerds and the number walks just went crazy because now they have a specific goal with a specific time. That was clarity. I think that that leaders didn't check. Did you, were you clear? If you weren't clear in the communication of it, then you got to clear before you could push a system. Otherwise you're pushing people and you're going to, you're going to have a revolving door. Mm-hmm. If you think of every great leader, they did that. They, they knew how to push a system, not a p- person. Mm-hmm. So good. I'm going to clip that too. Sure. Cl- clip away girl. Because if I knew what clipping looked like or what it meant, I would, I would clip with you, but I don't clipping to me is a pair of scissors and a piece of paper. So. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think, I think this was a great conversation. It's helpful. I hope that, um, gosh, I hope our leaders listen to this one. What, and, and ask yourself this, who in your organization are you avoiding a conversation with today? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not that hard. No, it's not. And so what I would suggest is if you evaluate right now is number one, for me, the easiest way to have a hard conversation is to have it before the situation arises. So like on, on a real estate sales team, we'll tell new agents coming in and say, hey, listen, we're excited that you're joining the team. Monday, when you show up at 830 in the morning, you're going to come with 200 names, email addresses, and phone numbers, and you're going to start talking to people that you're in real estate. If you show up with 199, please know that the relationship's off to a bad start and we don't even want to get started because we're going to frustrate you. You're going to frustrate us. And that's just not going to be good. Life's too short. Is that clear? And your first couple of weeks, all you're going to do is call people and we're going to give you a simple script and we're going to figure out your language in it. And you're going to just tell people in your real estate, you'd love to help them. That's clear. That's precise. Yep. If somebody shows up and I haven't laid that out and they have no names, then I'm frustrated that you didn't even bring a data, you know, bring a database with you. What does that mean? And so I leaders be clear. 
that enforce your clear, because for me, Jesse, and I hope that this framing helps it. When I say we're going to do 10 of whatever or a hundred of whatever, or make this kind of money or have this kind of growth for me to do anything less is for me to be out of integrity with my own word. And I get now all of a sudden my word is powerless mm-hmm. and I choose not to live a powerless life. My word has to matter. And so if we said we're going to do 10, we do 10. For our, for anyone um, who is stepping out of integrity on what they said they would do, remember this, what happens to you, what happens to your, uh, your psychology, what happens in your brain is you lose confidence in yourself, but you subconsciously, you don't know it one day, a few weeks after, um, you know, making 10 phone calls instead of a hundred, um, a few weeks of that, you will wake up and not know how to pick up a phone and dial a phone because subconsciously you're teaching yourself that I am not going to be able to accomplish what I said I was going to. And then you self-sabotage your way into the same result. Yeah. So this is the steps that I take. Number one, leaders, make sure you're clear. Number two, if you have that conversation that you are that you didn't have preemptively and now you need to go back and do that, don't fire people unless there's a gross, you know, there's a gross ethical problem or what have you. But I would just simply say, hey, Jesse, I think you and I have gotten off course. Could we reset our relationships? And then just have a mutual expectations. This is what I expect. What do you expect? And have that conversation where it's clear you walk away with, and then what is our plan to accomplish the objective? And the plan has to be clear. It can't be, I'm going to lead generate more, or I'm going to uh, cut expenses, or I'm going to do better with the database. It's like, no, no, no. I need to have something measurable. So how are we going to measure that? Now's the time to get really, really specific. Right. Okay. And so Jesse, in a week, when I touch base with you, we will have accomplished these things, right? Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'll be glad to hold you accountable, hold you high, hold you strong, and hold you empowered to do this. And if there's a problem, let's talk about the problem or the obstacle. Uh, some good coaches like Drew, if he was on here, he'd say he'd probably add to that. What do you think might be the obstacles this week that would get in the way of you doing what we just said you're doing? Let's see if we can overcome those in advance. That'd be a great mm. tactic as well. But here's the that. thing is I, very few conversations that I dreaded in my head happened as badly as I thought they were going to happen when they happened. It's It's usually, it's, it's, it goes probably back to my childhood. It was this, the go to your room and prepare for a spanking. Well, right. going to my room before the spanking was actually worse than the spanking. You know, it's like, so the, the stories we create about the conversations that we need to have are probably worse than the conversation. If I just simply say, hey, Jesse, can you give me a half hour? I think we just need to have a conversation and reset our relationship. I, I just don't feel, I feel like we're, there's something weird between us and I want to get that cleared out. I love that. I uh, That's inspiring too, when you talk about, Let's just reset the plan. We've gotten off course. Let's reconnect. That's that's inspiring to me. If I'm struggling at work, I know that my leader, number one, he knows it too. So I don't have to be like, oh. uh, I'm struggling. It's really, it's, they are waiting for you to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I love that. This is so helpful. Awesome. Well, Always. Yeah. Uh, the podcast is released. You guys got it here live, uh, but the podcast yeah. is released on Thursday mornings. And um, we're growing quite a little following over there on um, Apple and Spotify. So it's kind of exciting. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to join the club. Yep. Have a great day, sir. Talk to you. Bye. Bye.